Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Megan Wright. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Crosby Devitt, Vice President, Strategic Development, about his recent trade mission to Japan. We will also get an update from Barry Semp, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Our public outreach campaign, Good in Every Grain, partnered with Taste Canada at their annual awards gala this past month in Toronto, Ontario. Good in Every Grain was a partner during the annual Cooks the Books cooking competition that featured culinary schools from across Canada. All students that participated in the cooking competition were invited to a lunch to celebrate Ontario grains and talk to grain farmers of Ontario staff and farmers about where Ontario grains come from and the people behind them. As part of Good in Every Grain's ongoing partnership with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, we were the presenting sponsor for this year's high school mentorship program. Good in Every Grain had the opportunity to present grain-based snacks to the students to showcase that eating healthy is just as important as training hard. Last week, Grain Farmers of Ontario staff attended two events with the Automobile Journalists Association of Canada, also known as AJAC. AJAC is an association well known for naming Canada's Car of the Year. Market development staff attended the opening reception and spoke to media from across Canada about the benefits of ethanol and biodiesel. Crosby Devitt, Vice President Strategic Development, spoke to journalists and car manufacturers in attendance about the importance of corn-based ethanol and the improvements farmers have made on-farm to create renewable and sustainable fuel. Results from the 2019 Ontario Grain Corn Ear Mold and Dawn Mycotoxin Survey have been released. OMAFRA field crop specialists in collaboration with Grain Farmers of Ontario and members of the Ontario Agribusiness Association have completed the annual Provincial Corn Emerald and Mycotoxin Survey. The survey found 96% of samples tested low at less than 2 parts per million for Dawn, which is considerably lower than 2018. This year has been actually an exceptional year with the wet weather that we had and lots of concerns that maybe there would be lots of Dawn, but uh, we're very fortunate with the drier weather through the summer, infection didn't occur, and uh, results came back uh, very similar to what 2012 was. So. The numbers also were about 84% of the crop tested was under 0.5% parts per million microtoxin. But we should advise that there were still some samples that uh, showed over two parts per million. And when you get that high, of course, you want to be able to manage it properly. So yes, there's still some mold out there, uh, but it's at the levels that we saw in 2012. Nothing like we saw last year in 2018. Just to give an example, 25% of the samples last year taken at this time roughly was uh, over five parts per million and this year there was actually zero and uh, last year was 15 percent of the samples were over two percent and now we're only at four so as you can tell by the the survey that was done and what ended up being out in the field last year survey results are are pretty indicative of what we can see uh, come through harvest time and what farmers will be delivering to the elevators For more information about the results, visit fieldcropnews.com. And now, here's my conversation with Crosby Devitt. Joining me on the podcast today, we have our Vice President of Strategic Development, Crosby Devitt. Thanks for joining me today, Crosby. Good afternoon, Megan. It's happy to be here. So recently, you're on a trade mission to South Korea and Japan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure, I was able to be part of the provincial trade mission led by our uh, provincial agriculture minister, Ernie Hardiman, and he led a delegation to uh, Seoul, South Korea, uh, as well as Osaka and Tokyo, Japan. And how long were you out there? Um, We were gone a total of nine days. Uh, We had about three days in each of the, the three cities. And in each city, we had a number of meetings with various stakeholders. Um, we were uh, a delegation that focused primarily on pork, beef, and soybeans. So were there representatives there from other Ontario commodity organizations? Yes, I was the representative from Grain Farmers of Ontario, uh, primarily on the soybean side while we were there. Uh, but there were representatives from our commodity organizations representing beef and pork in Ontario, as well as some um, of the meat uh, companies as well that are are doing business in those countries. So that sounds like a really interesting group to travel around with. And what was it like doing business in those countries? Like, what was the culture like? Yeah, so very different than Canada, of course. Um, so we were in some of the major cities um, in those regions. So Seoul, South Korea, uh, big city. Um, and we had several uh, meetings around, um, in my case, soybeans. So we had a round table with several companies and uh, traders that are doing business in the soybean side of things, uh, purchasing Canadian soybeans. And, and certainly what one of the things that I, I found is that they have a reasonably good awareness of the type of soybeans we produce. They value the quality of the soybeans um, and they're interested in doing more business, which is very positive. So how much of Ontario soybeans is actually sent to Japan and South Korea now? Japan, I'll start with. Uh, Japan is essentially our major market for food-grade soybeans. Uh, About 200,000 tons of soybeans from Ontario are uh, sold into Japan every year. And most of those, if not all of those, are on the food-grade side. And so uh, it's a very important market for our Ontario soybeans, and it's um, extremely valued on the Japanese side to have a supply of of soybeans from Ontario. So you're primarily focusing on soybeans. Were any of our other grains talked about during the mission? It was primarily a soybean-focused discussion, so we were meeting specifically with companies that are in the manufacturing of soy-based products in those countries. Um, There are certainly other exports of other products going into those markets, um, but on the Ontario side, it's primarily the soybeans from a grain perspective. And so then what was the real purpose or the goal of Grain Farmers of Ontario being a part of this trade mission? As I mentioned, the uh, the mission was led by uh, the provincial government. So Minister Hardiman led the mission um, with strong support from his team at the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs. Um, there were several staff that uh, organized most of the meetings and so on for the mission. And the main goal there was to promote Ontario agricultural products into that marketplace. It's no surprise we're in a environment of trading globally where there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of concerns about uh, which markets will remain open and, and markets that are not open, how do we get those open as well. And uh, In the Japan and South Korea side of things, the markets for soybeans, for example, are open. Um, There is a free trade agreement, for example, with South Korea and Canada that has uh, some quotas for exports. Um, What we did hear on that is that there's a desire to do more business. And so trying to find ways to continue to keep open access to that market and build on that is important. 
on the Japanese side, it's a little different. It's a it's a, essentially a tariff-free environment for Canadian soybeans, um, and we want to keep it that way and build the reputation even further of our high-quality product. So speaking of the reputation, what is the reputation of Ontario grains or Ontario soybeans in Japan? Yeah, it was quite uh, interesting for me. Um, being able to be part of some of these meetings where we talk specifically with uh, with companies that are our major processors of soybeans and producers of soy-based products in Japan. So, for example, uh, we were meeting with tofu manufacturers, miso, uh, soy milk, for example, and um, the Canadian soybean reputation is very strong in, in those markets and especially uh, in talking to those customers. Um, they see us as very high quality producers and there's a lot of attributes that go along with that quality. And so one of them is the safety side of things. We're very responsible producers in Ontario. Um, we have full traceability through our IP programs, which is, is quite unique and uh, a very strong thing for them. Um, and then the whole quality side. So we certainly, you know, that comes through in a couple different ways. That's partly the varieties that we grow and that work well here. But also uh, our climate tends to allow us to produce higher quality protein in our soybeans, which then translates into uh, higher quality soy products that they're manufacturing. And do you think there's overall a perception of high quality in terms of all Canadian products? Because I know I saw some pictures of, you know, big signs saying Canadian beef in Japan grocery stores. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, Canada has a, a very strong reputation overall in, in Japan uh, from what I what I did see, certainly being along with the pork and beef side of things, we were able to get to into some grocery stores where they were actually featuring uh, Canadian product um, in their marketing materials. And, and actually some of the beef was Ontario corn-fed beef that uh, is starting to take off in, in some of those markets. And so, so yes, the, the Canadian reputation and brand is strong and something that we continue to want to build on. And, and it's backed by good things. So when you went into those grocery stores, were there a number of Canadian products that you noticed or even that had Canadian ingredients in them? Yeah, in the in the grocery stores where we were, um, we were primarily looking in the meat side of things. Um, that was kind of the focus of, of those visits. Um, in fact, there was a kind of a feature uh, display of Ontario corn-fed beef where the minister uh, was able to give out samples to shoppers in the grocery store and uh, we were talked to them to the uh, the management of the store and so on and, and talked about how the the sales of Canadian products and Ontario products are, are doing well so so we certainly focused on that area but uh, it was very prominent the the Canadian leaf uh, maple leaf and labeling on those products was was easy to find so based on this trade mission do you see a lot of potential for more exports into countries like Japan and South Korea certainly we're always looking for opportunities I think um, in the South Korean side of things, there's certainly interest. Um, there are a few barriers that we have to we're looking at right now around some of the tariff rates um, if we were to ramp up exports uh, significantly. And so, so trying to see if there's some options and some opportunities to kind of work through those challenges. Um, on the Japanese side, it's a very, I'll call it a mature market. Um, you know, the soybean consumption in Japan is very much higher than what we see in North America and Canada. So they eat a significantly 
higher amount of tofu and miso, soy milk, those types of things are very common parts of their diet. So they already consume a lot of soybean products and a lot of that is supplied by, by Canada. Um, but one of the opportunities that we're going to be looking into and uh, hope to be following up with some of the companies we met with is around the whole um, area of plant-based protein. It's kind of a global trend now. We see it in Canada. Uh, it came up in Japan. So they're not necessarily what you'd call traditional soy-based products, uh, but it's kind of a next generation of soy foods that could be coming into the marketplace. So um, it's emerging. There's some new processing technologies that are coming along that are improving the quality of those products. And so it could be an opportunity um, as we go. Um, so that's something we're going to be looking into. And so speaking of that plant-based diet, in Canada, there's been recently a big push for a more plant-based diet, pick more um, plant protein as opposed to animal proteins. So in Japan and South Korea, I think, feel like the culture has been traditionally a bit more plant-based. Do you see them going so in that direction? Like, do they have that environmental concern of eating meat or is that just a cultural they prefer? Yeah, I, I, I can't say for certain, but I think a couple observations. Um, one is that, you know, traditionally they eat more soy based products. And so um, in talking to some of the companies that are developing and marketing products, they really see featuring soybean as a positive attribute in those products. And so, you know, soybeans are seen as healthy or health food in Japan, for example. And so having a, a plant-based protein product that features soybeans is, is seen as, as a very positive thing in the market. Um, in terms of eating healthier or alternatives to meat, it's an interesting one because, uh, you know, I think the way I would look at it is it's, it's providing choice to consumers. And so, you know, while I'm talking about the growth in soybean uh, products, we're also seeing great opportunities in the pork and beef side. And of course, those, uh, those products are fed using high quality Ontario grains. And so it's, it's another value added opportunity for our grains as well. So with the recent trade wars in China, do you think that the Japan and South Korean markets are an opportunity to somewhat offset that market loss in China? That's a good question. I think, you know, coming back to the uncertainties in global trade, um, we need as many doors open to our products as possible. And so when you look at, you know, the Japanese market, f uh, for example, we've got a long established uh, record of trade and reasonably stable volumes there. So it, it may be difficult to significantly increase that. Um, the key, I think, in a lot of ways is keeping the door open for the long term and uh, doing that through strong partnership and and mutual understanding of the value that we provide to each other as as exporters and importers. Um, you know, the issues with China and the U.S. and and as well as China and Canada are are very serious and uh, not easily you know, it's not easy to go out and just find a replacement market that'll just pick all that up and, and everything will be wonderful. So I think while we're doing these these types of programs in Japan, South Korea, for example, um, they're very important. It doesn't fundamentally solve an issue that we might have with China, for example. So I think, you know, we're involved in other efforts to uh, encourage our federal government to to get to the table with China and do everything that they can uh, to try to work through some of these disagreements and challenges because uh, that's critical to get the volumes out of Ontario. 
So were there any uh, real trade agreements reached in Japan or discussed or upcoming? Yeah, so there was uh, some interesting work uh, that's been done over the last uh, couple of years on the Ontario corn-fed beef program. And while we were there, um, it was a good opportunity for Minister Hardiman to be able to uh, sign an agreement with, uh, with a, a grocery chain in Japan that will be uh, have committed to uh, featuring Ontario corn-fed beef in their in their stores, and uh, so it's nice to see some of those longer-term uh, commitments being made, and uh, recognition of of the value that we can bring to their their retail sector as well. So, do you see the potential? So, we have Ontario corn-fed beef, we have soybeans. Do you see the potential for any more Ontario grains um, being shipped to Japan? There's always opportunity. Opportunities. Um, it's probably one of those things where our real strength and niche is in the soybean side of things. You know, when we look at corn and wheat side of things in Ontario, um, a lot of our corn is more of a dem- domestic market, um, a feed market. So if, instead of shipping corn into Japan, we might we are probably better off trying to add some value uh, and and shipping meat into into that market uh, as as that type of product on the wheat side um, there may be some opportunities uh, again typically just due to our production um, here we typically are uh, supplying a more domestic and closer to home market with our wheat so so we're we're not really focusing on those as as the key opportunities in Japan for example well it sounds like a very interesting um, trade mission and definitely a lot to learn from it uh, so overall what were kind of your biggest takeaways from this trade mission or things that you learned or just really memorable moments yeah it was really interesting um, we had several kind of you know, roundtable meetings with some companies uh, in both countries that are purchasing Ontario soybeans, um, but we also had some you know individual meetings with companies and as well as uh, the associations that represent uh, tofu manufacturers and miso manufacturers, for example. And I just found it fascinating as a as a farmer and working for farmers in Ontario how knowledgeable they were about our product. You know, they source specific varieties for different par- different products that they're making. And so it was interesting to, you know, downtown Tokyo in an office building talking about some of the varieties that uh, farmers are growing in southern Ontario that are developed at the University of Guelph. And they're talking about the protein and the, the processing capabilities of those. At the same time, I'm thinking about the agronomics that those varieties provide. So it kind of brought home to me that you've got to have the full chain and, and everything connected well together. It's got to work for the farmer, um, and those varieties have to work in the manufacturing of the soy foods that they're doing. Um, and what that leads to is strong partnerships. And so I, I really saw that commitment from their side to uh, purchasing Ontario soybeans, uh, engaging with farmers, engaging with the exporters, and, and kind of looking that as as a long-term partnership and I think that's what we, where we've been successful and and what'll drive us forward and success in that market. Well thank you so much Crosby for taking the time today to join me on the podcast. Thank you very much Megan. Joining me this week on the podcast is CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario Barry Semp. Thanks for joining me today Barry. Thank you uh, Megan. Good to be here. So we can start out, why don't we talk a bit about harvest? I think soybean harvest is done and we're starting into corn. Uh, So how are things looking out there? Well, a day like today, it's uh, challenging. We've had uh, some wet weather over the uh, 
last week or so that's uh, deterred farmers from getting into the uh, field. I think the issue is uh, maturity of corn is is going to be a challenge. You're hearing of uh, of guys, uh, you know, nipping into uh, into a field to see how uh, what the maturity, what the moisture content is, and it's uh, it's staying fairly high. And of course, the higher it is, the bigger of cost it is for farmers to uh, to dry that. So it's it's uh, a challenge again. Uh, the wet weather that we had this spring and the delayed seeding is uh, showing its effect, as everyone know it would, and. Uh, it's a challenge. Uh, soybeans, there's still a few soybeans out, but I think in most part, the majority would be harvested. Varying uh, reports on, on yields. I think uh, on average, it may be an average yield for the province, but uh, clearly for some of those pre- uh, producers, there's going to be some good stories and some not so good stories. But the next period of time, uh, it's going to be a challenge for the corn uh, for corn harvest. And with corn harvest last year, dawn was a big issue. Is that an issue this year again? No, some of the reports out that there may be a couple of pockets of it uh, rearing its ugly head. But other than that, I, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's not going to be near the issue that it was a year ago. That was that was horrible, and hopefully that doesn't repeat itself for a long, long time. Yeah, we can only hope. You can only hope is right. So a big topic this year has definitely been trades. We've talked about the trade war with China a lot, and now Brexit is becoming a big trade topic. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the uncertainty with Brexit is starting to show what I hear from some of the traders is starting to show in some uh, price declines. You know, there's always that, that risk factor always shows up in the basis. And what I'm hearing from some farmers and from some of the uh, the grain traders is that Brexit is now that uncertainty in and around that process is now starting to show in some of the prices, you know, maybe in around 25 cents a bushel. But again, is that, you know, all factored to Brexit or not? Uh, the I guess that is just into the addition of the issues that we have with China as far as soybean uh, Access to that market by the soybean industry is still yet a very significant challenge. And uh, the reports I've read is that there's really no uh, light at the end of the tunnel for that. So these trade issues uh, yet uh, continue to be of grave concern to, uh, to our farmers and to the industry. And unfortunately, something that we don't have a lot of control over. No, and hopefully, you know, with the uh, renewed mandate of a government, a federal government here, that'll be uh, an emphasis of that. But as we talked about in our podcast uh, that Deb and Marcus and I uh, uh, participated in a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, the the issue is is that, uh, you know, we didn't hear a lot about the trade issues from any of the parties, which is disconcerting. But hopefully uh, we'll be getting to the new government very quickly uh, on that, along with our colleagues in the other commodities, of course. And speaking of government and policy, we have a policy day coming up on December 12th. So what can farmers expect at that? Yeah, so uh, this, I think, will be our likely our eighth year that we've uh, designed a day for our delegates to uh, participate in that solely uh, in discussion of, of policy issues. And so we have, uh, just speaking of the federal election, we'll have somebody come in and sort of give the delegates uh, a debriefing of uh, sort of what had happened over the last uh, month or so with the uh, through the election process and sort of now with the minority uh, situation that's resulted from the election is that um, 
this person's perspective on you know the path going forward and how that's going to or could influence uh, agriculture. Uh, the second agenda item that we have, uh, speaking of you know harvest conditions, what have you, is uh, we have a speaker coming up from the U.S. Uh, speaking about weather change, climate change, and I think uh, everyone will find that uh, quite interesting given uh, some of the issues that we've faced over the last period of time. And then the third uh, speaker we have is from the Netherlands, and uh, this person's just going to be talking about something we've just mentioned a few minutes ago, and uh, that's how agriculture doesn't seem to be portrayed very positively in uh, in the political realm. You know, we get agriculture gets blamed for a lot of negative things, and where that's positioning uh, itself from a world perspective, international perspective. So we have a person coming in from the Netherlands that's uh, trying to get agriculture higher on the political uh, agenda, and I think uh, again a very interesting topic for. Uh, and timely for the uh, for the group, so we look forward to uh, to that delegates policy day as a brainstorming exercise about what path should the GFO be taking on behalf of its members. Well, it sounds like it'll be a very interesting day and very worthwhile for our members to attend. Yes, I think it will be. Again, harvest is going to be an issue. Uh, you know, we know uh, from some other years that uh, with a lot of corn out, it could be. Uh, it could be challenging to get participation up, but we will see. Awesome. That's great. Well, thanks for taking the time to join me on the podcast today, Barry. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Barry Semp and Crosby Devitt. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.